0: Let's open to uh, a scripture that we know fairly well, uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. I thought, uh, what a good verse to read first time in the year. <laughs> Acts 2.38. This is our, uh, our keynote scripture. Um, I liken this verse to, it's like uh, this one verse is the New Testament version of the Ten Commandments. Um, The Ten Commandments was a summary of the old law. This one verse is a summary of the New Testament, uh, the salvation message. It's a summary. There's more associated with being saved, but this is a wonderful summary. Um, And I'm going to talk today on the Holy Spirit. So we'll read Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's so clear to us. And uh, today I'll go through some scriptures about the Holy Spirit and uh, this promise here, it says, this was uh, uh, Peter who was inspired by the Holy Ghost to to say what he said and to summarise what people had to do. Um, to to be saved, you know, uh, to save from their sin, save from death, save from this world, uh, just saved uh, to be right with God, and He's got here. And like Suzette referred to, just that clarity that we have. This recipe of repent, be baptized, uh, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So it's a promise. Um, so we we'll go to Matthew chapter three. This is. Uh, A little bit here about uh, John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3. We'll start in verse 11, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. And it says here quite plainly, John the Baptist speaking, I indeed baptise you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will throughly purge his floor, and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. Now John was right in that um, in that statement. Uh, John had an understanding of uh, who Jesus Christ was, but Jesus responds and says in verse fifteen. And Jesus, answering, said unto him, "Suffer it to now, for now." Like uh, I, I remember when I first came to the revival fellowship, and I was talking to a work colleague, and uh, and she didn't like the fact that the word suffer. It to be now, like it's a it's a very abrupt thing, and it's like, well, Jesus used this word suffer, like allow it to be now. But I like the word suffer. It's like, come on, John, just drag yourself to do it, <laughs> make yourself do it. Yes, you are not worthy, you know, but you've been called by God, so just do it, okay? And uh, suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfil all righteousness. Then he suffered him. So he obeyed God and Jesus, when he was baptised, went up straightway out of the water and, lo, the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him and, lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this here was the start of Jesus' ministry. When this uh, the Spirit of God, like a dove, so a visual thing, lighting upon him, and then this is when uh, God himself said, look, this is my beloved son. Go forth and, uh, and do what you need to do. So the beginning of Jesus' ministry started here. And what's mentioned five times? Mm-hmm. At least five. No, it's six times. Six times in the, in the New Testament is that John the Baptist says here, came uh, to baptise with water unto repentance, but him who comes after will baptise you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And uh, John the Baptist, this is what he laid down, his baptism, John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism with the expectation of receiving the Holy Spirit. And uh, we know of the story in um, in, uh, Acts chapter 19 where that had been changed, but if you're baptised according to John's baptism, you are actually baptised with the expectation of getting the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was important. John the Baptist knew that. He said, look, this is why we're doing this, is so that people will eventually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and it started here uh, in a way, in a type, with the Spirit of God descending upon uh, Jesus Christ like a dove. <coughs> so this Holy Ghost was so important. Uh, such a, and, and as we read in Acts chapter 2, it was a promise. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I'll uh, be reading a few well-known scriptures, and it's good that they're well-known, because these are scriptures that we uh, tell others about. These are the ones we refer to. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just we had an outreach down at Karakalinga no, Normanville, wasn't it? Normanville Beach, which is basically the same town as Um, and, uh, and there was a young lady there who had her Bible out, flipping through the Bible, and she undoubtedly would have known about this one. Uh, so John chapter 4 and verse 19. John chapter 4 and verse 19. The woman saith unto him, uh, saith unto Jesus Christ, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers... Worshipped in this mountain. She's referring to her fathers as being what are known as the Samaritans, those people that dwelt in Samaria. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So this is uh, still Old Testament times, and it's a time when the Samaritans, they uh, created their own kind of copy where they worshipped in this mountain, uh, whereas Jerusalem, that's where the temple was, and, uh, and so people worshipped in that temple. Um, and this is what she's referring to because she knows that Jesus Christ is a Jew. Verse 21, Jesus saith unto her woman, Believe me, the hour cometh, i.e. in the future, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. That's all going to stop, which was pretty major, pretty dramatic change. It says that um, uh, there was uh, much... I can't remember the words it used, but, uh, but a much uh, tumult in heaven. You know, There's so much change that happened around this time. Um, verse 22. Ye worship, ye you know not what we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And often I tell people that uh, on the street or wherever talking, I say, "Look, you get it. Even though you don't believe in God, you can understand that He's a spirit, right? Um, Because you can't see Him. He he must be a spirit." And so, and it says quite plainly: if God's a spirit, then if we're going to worship Him, we must worship Him in spirit and truth. Um. You and I understand each other, we speak the same language, we're flesh and blood. Uh, If you want to speak the same language as God and talk to God and be with God, you need the Spirit. It's a very uh, simple logic and Jesus is outlining this logic here, that uh, talking to this lady, this Samaritan lady, that in the future people will worship in the Spirit. There's that unifying thing. It won't be people worshipping in that mountain, those Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, or doing other things. It'll be unified through the Holy Spirit. Um, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And verse 5. Luke chapter 11. And verse five, and he, being Jesus Christ, said unto them, uh, his disciples or those that were following him, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Now, as most of you know, I like my sleep. And frankly, I'd be pretty cheesed off if uh, even my close friend decides to knock on the door at midnight and get me out of bed just to give him a couple of loaves of bread. I'm like, I'd just go to the service station or something. Like, it's just very annoying. Um, uh, uh, actually, a, a horrible thing to do. Um, Uh, And then it says in in verse 8, Jesus goes on and says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is a friend, constantly, over and over again, just go away, go away, go away. Yet, because of his importunity or his absolute persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Isn't that funny? It's like, just go away. I'm sick of you knocking and shouting at the door. You want three loaves? Hey, look, I'll give you the whole fridge. Just go away. I want to go to sleep. That's what Jesus is saying here, and he's he's building a picture here for us to understand. And it goes on in verse 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, a natural father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish? will he for a fish give me a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being human beings, being evil, being liars, as we heard in Testament as well, and it's in the Scriptures, even you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And uh and this here is a great little package to encourage people who are seeking for the Holy Spirit that uh to to pound and be annoying and constantly knock and pray to God and never give up. And that's what we're here is to encourage those people to keep doing it. Not to uh to discourage them by constantly pestering them, but encouraging them to do it. And uh and then um and then just keep asking over and over and over again because how much more shall the father give the holy spirit to them that ask him over and over again and uh, and this wonderful natural example that uh, uh, a human being will do the best they can for their child and uh, when the child asks for bread you're not going to give them a stone you know and all the other examples so how much more the father he wants people be filled with the Holy Spirit he wants to give the Holy Spirit to people he wants to call people his own but he needs uh, them to have this attitude that I will get it and this attitude we had that when we first called out to the Lord for the Holy Spirit that attitude should still carry through ask and keep on asking uh, just like a child does a parent and I know Jacob will be just like that wouldn't he Constantly asking. And what I like as well is like, uh, I mean, I grew up in a very stable family, as you know, and uh, you know your parents. You know your parents so well. You've known them your whole life. You know but you manipulated them as babies even. You know, like you, you cried and they gave you stuff. Ah, okay, I'll cry and I get something. I'm going to manipulate this situation. So you learn that as a child, to, uh, you learn what your parents are like. And God's using this as an example. It's like, hey, look, don't be afraid to manipulate me and cry unto me and I'll give you the Holy Spirit and I'll bless you. That's what he wants to do. Um, Acts chapter 2, this time we'll start in verse 1. Uh, the very first outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's so precious, this, these four verses to us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues, As the Spirit gave them utterance. And that's why I chose hymn number 30, the day of Pentecost, this power that that was poured out. And it's so precious, this passage. Uh, There's two more in the book of Acts where it clearly says that when they received the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Okay, that is uh, such wonderful clarity that we have and we know and we understand it. If someone's praying for the Holy Spirit, you stop praying with them to receive the holy spirit when they speak in tongues and you'll hear it something you see and hear it's just so fantastic that we have that understanding and that it's just written in the in the bible so clearly like this we will go to acts chapter 8 this time i decided to I'll meander through this one not quite as well known but uh but those that uh, spend their time reading the Bible and ploughing through the pages would have read it. Um, Acts chapter 8. And we'll start in verse 1. We'll read quite a bit here. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. And Saul, uh, who uh, was consenting unto his death, It's, um, it's Stephen's death in the last chapter, And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles decided to stay in Jerusalem, but others just fled this persecution. Let's get out of here. Uh, Get away from it. But that had a good result for the word of God. This horrible thing that happened in Jerusalem actually benefited the kingdom of God. And it says here, Uh, In verse 2, And devout men carried Stephen, that he was a good friend of theirs, to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering to every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. It's like these little spot fires. There's a, a fire burning in Uh, Jerusalem, and then these embers were flying out into other places to start fires in other places, and uh, that Holy Ghost and fire. We go to verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken of palsies and that were lame were healed. Miracles were obviously from God, and there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery or or magic. You know, we see it today. People on telly uh, make money from magic tricks and so forth and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one or some great person, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. He was very uh, deft in his uh, tricks. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptised, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. So you can imagine Simon, who knew a bit about magic and uh, how to uh, trick people, sleight of hand, you know, all those things. He understood what was behind the tricks and how to do it. He saw these miracles and he saw that there was no sleight of hand there. There was no uh, trickery it was a dinkum miracle. And so he also believed uh, and he was baptised and he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. He was, he, in a way, he came from a position of authority and said, no, this is dinkum. I can't replicate that. Verse 14, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Who? When they were come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. There was a special uh, contingent of people that was sent to Samaria because they needed to receive the Holy Ghost. In brackets here it says in verse 16, for as yet he was <coughs> fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. These people received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. See, I don't know for sure, but I, I, I can surmise by the way the story goes, that he, he never offered Philip money so that he could do these, uh, perform these miracles. It was only when he saw the Holy Ghost being poured onto a people, he thought, well, this is special. You know, uh, I'm going to offer him money so I can have that as a trick uh, in my bag of tricks to, uh, to, trick, to uh, carry on with my sorcery. He saw something amazing. And it wasn't just the wind changing direction or something like that or a bird chirping in the tree or uh, a special uh, willy wagtail coming and flying. It was, it was something pretty amazing that he offered money for. He said there in verse 19, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. And this is Peter as well inspired by the Holy Ghost. He says, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Um, Which is interesting that Peter can see that because before Peter and John came to Samaria, he was following Philip around. But maybe there was a, a gall of bitterness and bond of iniquity, because he was missing out on his income, <laughs> he earned a lot of money from all this sorcery and magic tricks and stuff, and now people weren 't following him, perhaps verse twenty four then answered Simon and said, "Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me." So what was this thing that was so amazing that this uh, this sorcerer wanted and was happy to spend money for because He would pay money for it knowing that he was investing in something to make more money. He saw them speak in tongues. Um, Now, it doesn't outright say it like it does in other cases, but it actually builds this amazing picture that speaking in tongues as a sign of someone receiving the Holy Spirit is a truly powerful thing and a a truly convincing thing. And that's why uh, we... uh, we love the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit where people speak in tongues, two or three, this sign that there's something uh, powerful here, that there is a Holy Ghost amongst us, and uh, so that people like Simon, the sorcerer, uh, can see it and believe. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 10. Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. A little bit of trickery there on my part because I'm not reading verse 9. (laughs) And verse 9 is a popular one to explain to new people, but we start in Romans chapter 8 and verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. That's the Holy Spirit is life. But the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, sorry, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead also shall quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So this Holy Spirit has the power to raise us from the dead. And it's not as though we don't have an example. Jesus Christ uh, was risen from the dead. Not in his own strength or in his own ability. He was dead. He couldn't do anything. It was the Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead. And that'll happen to us also. This hope of the eternal. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, as a result of this understanding, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh... For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, his dear children. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That reference to the Father again. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. So that's the, cap, the first spirit. It's got a capital S in my Bible. That spirit is the Holy Spirit, the spirit that comes from God. It's like uh, the Son of God is often spelt with a capital S. And then the, the second spirit there has a little S. That's our own spirit, our own soul. So the Holy Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit within us, that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are his children, bears witness. And the logical conclusion from that, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Okay? this wonderful thing through the Holy Spirit teaches us and guides us and makes us understand our own spirit, our own soul, that we are heirs of the Father, joint heirs with the Son. We are as special in God's eyes as Jesus Christ is special. Uh, Equal. We're equal with Jesus Christ, all of us. I mean, it refers to sons here. We're all sons. Gender doesn't matter. That's thrown out the window. That's a flesh thing. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, it witnesses to us to remind us that we are children of the living God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. and verse 13 Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 just to follow on a little bit of what was established in Romans 8 Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that holy spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. It backs up this spirit of promise. Uh, And the first part of 13, you know, we trusted. We trusted in the Lord. We trusted in the word. Uh, Even though we may not have had the Holy Spirit, we trusted uh, in this gospel of salvation, called out to God. He gave us this spirit of promise. And through that spirit, it's like this earnest, it's like this, um, I don't know, it's like a, like a certificate or a, a stamp of approval. You, know, like, um, you, know, you, you go through study and you get a certificate to say that you're qualified. I mean, there are a lot of jobs that you can't do unless you have a qualification, you have a backing of experience and to know what to do because you're put into a position that needs that. And um, and so it's our earnest and saying, look, we now are worthy of this inheritance. We have experience. We have something. We've got this stamp of approval from God. Inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, which is us as well. We've been purchased unto the praise of His glory, and that's all made possible through the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter fourteen. John 14, great passage here, another aspect of the Holy Spirit, which is so important uh, as we walk on and follow the things of the Lord, and it was referred to in Nina's Testament as well, like the uh, few words that you can use, but I'll read the, the passage, John 14 and verse 15, so John chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, or he'll never leave you. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And then we go to verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So we have the Holy Ghost in us, as it says, uh, shall be in us. It's also known as a comforter, to provide comfort. Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So this peace, comfort, same thing. When you have comfort, you have peace uh, uh, before the, uh, the living God, uh, which is the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and what I like there in 26 as well, it says it teaches us all things, you know, like with our spirit, one uh, or together with our spirit, teaching us all things, guiding us in all things. And, uh, and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Um, it doesn't come from the world; it comes from God. And uh, and then it goes on in verse twenty seven, like not as the world giveth, because it says, uh, "Let not your heart be troubled." So trouble comes from the world. Comfort and peace come from God. And I was talking to someone recently, and it's um and it's been rolling around in my mind. You know, like um, when we're thinking of things and and it causes us trouble or distress. That's not from God. That's from the world. And so it's great to step back from those thoughts and, uh, and put your thoughts into captivity and think, no, praise, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah. No, I'm putting my thoughts into captivity. I'm not being troubled by what's going on in my mind because I want peace and comfort, which comes through the Holy Ghost. Jude, the book of Jude. The book of Jude. And verse 20. Uh, this passage was uh, read out at Karakalinga. So I'll make a little point about it as well, like was made there. Uh, but Jude 20 is uh, a very popular verse too. So Jude 20, we've got here, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, you're praying in tongues. So if you want your holy faith to be built up, you have to pray in tongues. You have to pray in the Spirit. You have to pray in the Spirit every day. It's so important to pray in the Spirit every day to build up your most holy faith. But then it goes on, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This word mercy we're looking forward to, we're looking for, we're uh, we're enacting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted uh, by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from fa- falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. You know, flowing on from verse 20, if we're building up our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost as often as we can, verse 25 says, To the only wise God, God our Saviour, be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever you know through that we get an understanding of that and then verse 24 keeps us from falling it will be a, a presenting us faultless before the presence of his glory that's what the holy spirit does if we keep the holy spirit moving and alive that fire burning praying in the holy ghost these things happen and in amongst it which was brought out at Karakalinga, is this wonderful thing as well. If we're built up in the Holy Ghost, we have the comfort, peace, joy, all these things that flow from that, Uh, contentment, uh, which is so nice. We're keeping our thoughts into captivity and focusing on the the way the Lord wants us to think. It says there in verse 22, having compassion. We have compassion. Um, Another place it says in the Bible, bowels of mercy. (laughs) Like a hell gut, <laughs> like bowels of mercy. But as a result of that compassion that we feel, uh, especially on, uh, towards saints, all saints, but even on others, we can make a difference. Right? And that was the key that was brought out. If we want to make a difference, um, show compassion. Um, talking to someone recently as well, like just dwelling on this, is, um, you know, the world at the moment. Um, uh, there's hardly any compassion. I mean, in Bunbury itself, there's this sticker that goes around: "Choose respect." You know, like, and the only reason that's a popular thing is because there's no respect. You know, um, they're trying to have this thing to throw it back, and and so, if us we have compassion, wouldn't that make a difference? You know, people that of no compassion, then here we waltz along, and we're full of compassion. That's got to make a difference so if we want to make a difference we have compassion another wonderful verse that i love it says mercy rejoices over judgment so show mercy and compassion making a difference and the way we can do that is if we have this dwelling up of compassion in us is praying in the holy ghost and let our most holy faith be built up just wonderful isn't it simple but wonderful, and it makes a difference. You know, when you're at your workplace or at your school, you stick out, you're different, you have a joy, you have an energy, you have a compassion, you make a difference. It's like, um, um, <clears throat> I don't normally watch movies, as you know, but um, I recently watched a movie, uh, Avatar, and uh, when the, um, these other out-of-world things came on this planet um, they were shooting out fire right and when that fire hit the earth it spread now what where I'm getting at is if we're walking along la di da di da -da, in a place where there's no compassion and then our foot goes down there's compassion it spreads it causes impact it makes a difference and so when we go about with this light in a dark place, we've got compassion, we've got mercy, we make a difference. It's like that fire coming into a forest and then spreads around and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how important it is and it starts with us building up ourselves in the most holy faith to make a difference, praying in the Holy Ghost every day. Uh, 1 John, sorry, First John, chapter 2 penultimate scripture, 1 John, chapter 2, and verse 27. 1 John, chapter 2, and verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you, Of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. We heard that as well in Testimony. And even, excuse me, as it hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, stay with Him, stick with it, regardless of what happens, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And the key here is through the Holy Spirit, the uh, The impact of the Holy Spirit, we have confidence and we're not ashamed. It's like, yes, Lord, I'll be caught up to meet you in the air. I am not ashamed of you at all. Not ashamed to call you Lord uh, and have that confidence, which is an aspect of peace and comfort and joy, isn't it? Having a confidence, knowing that God hears us, knowing that we're his children. Finish up on John 14. John chapter 14 and verse 11. Some words of Jesus Christ. It's something for us to remember. If we're equal in the eyes of God himself with Jesus Christ, we have this to remember. John chapter 14 and verse 11. Believe me. That I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Okay, so uh, by looking at Jesus Christ walking on the earth, He's speaking a lot of things, saying a lot of things. Um, so you can believe Him that the Father is in Him. Or if you can't do that, just believe Him for the signs that follow. Okay, now I use those words on purpose. So Jesus is saying, "Look, look at the works." Look at the signs that follow me, then believe me. And it goes on in verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Signs follow us. In the same way that signs followed Jesus Christ and people believed, signs follow us because we have the Holy Spirit and people believe. And it says here, greater works. And the reason there's greater works is that Jesus Christ is with the Father. He's not separate from the Father anymore. He's right there. He's been sacrificed. Uh, The Holy Spirit's been poured out. He is justifying us before him uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we get to see greater works. Okay, we get to see wonderful things, signs that follow us, signs that follow believers. Okay, thank you.